Before we get into it today, there is a little bit of bad language, so stick some hands over any little ears nearby, or if that offends you, then please feel free to skip to another episode. Also, we're talking mental health, and so there may be some things that might be triggering for you, or if you really do need help, please go and seek some professional help or someone to talk to. If you go to mentally-healthy.org, there are resources there. There's also a need help now button, which can bring up some helplines and other resources that can help you straight away. Let's get into it. It's it's this muscle here. It's this, this brain here that we need to take care of and the thing that we need to nurture and, and not just our own, but others as well, right? Like if you and I work in the same creative department, there's no reason why I should make you feel intimidated or scared or nervous or like in any of those feelings should not exist in a creative environment where everyone is meant to feel like they can bring their true selves to the office. And that's what ultimately makes great work, right? When you can truly be yourself and you can pour yourself into the work and you can smile and have a good time. Like I've seen it time and time again, great work never comes out of a toxic situation. And I do believe that this is this is a people business. We're in the people business, right? Our clients, they buy us, right? They're buying who we are. And, you know, our, our agencies, you know, need to nurture that. Welcome to the Never Not Creative podcast. I'm Andy Wright, and this is the next episode in our mini-series, Creativity and Football. And uh, our next expert on creativity and football is Craig Elimelia, who is the ECD of VML, Y, and R. Welcome, Craig. Thank you for having me. How's your football knowledge? Um... I know a lot about Tom Brady and the Green Bay Packers, and that's probably not what you're referring to. But there we go. Uh, immediately, we are <laughs> to a different kind of football. But what I might do is change the cover for this episode nice. to be an American football. But at the moment, go. it's a soccer ball. So uh, mm-hmm. yes, but of course, we are uh, half joking in that um, this isn't really about football; it's about mental health. Um, and specifically men's mental health in our, in the creative industry, because whenever we do anything around mental health, we can almost guarantee that the people who show an interest or turn up or participate are 95% female um, with a few supportive men. So this series aims to show everyone that everyone has mental health. We all have a brain. Um, and that we all have our ups and downs and um, men in particular can certainly um, start to be able to have better conversations around their mental well-being and that's kind of what led me to you Craig um, because you posted on LinkedIn a few weeks ago about your challenges with ADHD, anxiety, low self-esteem, shame, self-doubt, depression um, which I think was the first time that you'd sort of made mention of it. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. 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 You know, I think, I think COVID really put a lot of the um, sort of, at least for me, a lot of mental health um, stigmas 
you know, to, to, to rest, you know, I, I felt that, um, you know, I had been battling my whole life with, you know, being able to focus, being able to, you know, see myself in a good light, being able to give myself the credit that I deserve. You know, I'm a pretty successful person. I've had a great, still have a great career. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, one of the one of the sort of upsides of, of of the pandemic was was to really allow myself to um, to pay more attention to my mental health and to really acknowledge it more. And you know, I have to admit, like up until now, I really not only did I not talk about it, but I probably overcompensated for it in ways which I would lead people to believe that I am have no mental health issues, you know, like, and, and it, for me, it was a big relief to be able to use World Mental Health Day as a, as a platform to um, exhale, you know, for me, it was just an exhale, part pandemic, but I, th- I also think comes along with maturity as well. I think, like you said, men have a very difficult time admitting um, any sort of mental health uh, challenges or deficiencies or, or anything that has to do with mental health. I think that you know, it's quite scary putting yourself in a position where people might see you in a different light. People might treat you in a different light. You, you know, you might be less trusted. You might be um, stigmatized for it. You know, for me, I think I just didn't care anymore. You know, I just didn't care what people thought about it. And it was something that I've sort of built up the credibility and the authority to be able to come out and say, like, you know what, I really am struggling with a lot of things. And I've always struggled with it my entire life since I was kid. And because I have established myself, you know, as a person of relative success, I feel like there's nothing anyone can do or say to take anything away from me because of it. So that kind of helped. Yeah. What was the reaction like? So obviously, I mean, I saw there was some reaction online, which is very, very supportive. Um, But then, you know, I've done this myself. I've come out and I was always, there were times when reactions that I got were like, I wish that I hadn't said anything yeah has your experience been i think for the most part positive um there were some reactions online that were like sort of like oh my gosh i never knew are you okay i think some family members actually thought i was ill at work i think no one has actually brought it up directly i have one coworker that made mention of it in a very offhand way, not an insulting way or whatsoever, but sort of just made mention that, you know, I was feeling a bit more transparent at the moment. And it was just kind of a laugh. No one has commented in person, um, Mm. which is quite interesting. And I've seen a lot of people in person that have commented online. And I think that's kind of where they wanted to keep it because it is, it's a tough subject, right? Like what, what are they going to say? Like, are you unhappy right now? Are you depressed right now? You, you know, it's quite interesting how even, even when, when you come out and you make a, you know, you, you sort of reveal something about yourself online that it, it, I think it takes a while for people to, to be comfortable with it. Um, IRL. I'm not like waiting for any sort of reaction. I don't... How does that make you feel though? Cause it is like, like you said, it was a big exhale, which is never intended to be the, Right. Oh, look at me, you know, right, obviously. But when it's kind of, I guess, you know, almost ignored, not ignored is probably a harsh word, but 
Yeah. Does it change your feelings uh, about it? Um, no, it didn't. It didn't. You know, for me, it was something that I felt I needed to put out there because of what I'm observing in the industry, because of what I've gone through as you know, professional in this industry. I got some great feedback online. I got people DMing me and, and telling me how proud they are. And yeah. But again, it wasn't in real life. You know, like no one yeah. rang my phone and said, hey, man, that was like, you know, I'm here for you or whatever, which again, I think, I think is part of the problem, right? Like that's why yeah. we're talking about it today because I think people have a general, the, the, there's a difficulty talking about, it. there's a language barrier, right? Like, what are the words you say? You know, what are the terms you use? How do you approach something like that? You know, if anything to do with the brain is quite sensitive to people and I think quite new territory, you know, if my stomach hurt, be like, my stomach hurts. And someone will say, well, go to the bathroom. You know, like there's a dialogue there. But I think with mental health, nobody knows how to approach the subject, you know, properly. And I think that, um, I think part of why I wanted to talk about it was, um, to maybe, you know, trigger some of those conversations and have some of those conversations, not just about myself, but, you know, I do realize I have a certain um, influence over the people I work with and, you know, other people in the industry that I mentor or am being observed by. And, you know, I, I, I had hoped that it would give them a little bit more permission to come out, you know, about their own struggles and feel comfortable that somebody, someone like myself, was comfortable enough to talk about it, maybe in certain instances where someone might not be feeling well or someone might be feeling a crunch or someone might be feeling just a general state of, of sort of bleakness, that they might just look at that as an example of like, you know what, if I do say something, nothing's going to happen. You know, like I'm, I'll be supported. Someone will talk. You know. So um, so I'm kind of playing the long game, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Like, kind of drop it out there and just see what happens, and 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 hopefully there's a positive effect. Yeah, I hope. and I I'm, I'm sure because I I know this does happen, which is that you know whilst people may have not come directly to you, it's probably given somebody else the courage to talk about it with somebody else or to you know sparked a conversation between other people, um, which can only help. I think. I wonder as well. Like I mean. New York is pretty famed for just, you know, sure there's creative communities and organizations around the rest of the world, but New York would kind of be like a, an epicenter of advertising and creativity. And where is it, do you think it's the a kind of extreme case of you just can't show flaws? Well, it's interesting. New York, I'm a New Yorker. I'm a native New Yorker. I grew up here. So I kind of I kind of know the the game, right? The game is you're allowed to be vulnerable and you're allowed to show vulnerability, but the control in which you show it has to be like pristine, right? So like you might be dealing with something, you might be struggling with something, but don't look sloppy. Don't don't fall apart. Don't ugly cry. You know, like it's it's kind of like a grit, you know, a certain grit that New York, I think sort of a New York attitude is you, you just kind of suck it up. And I think even when you're going through something difficult, you kind of realize that you're in a place that does kind of put you through the grinder a little bit. And in many instances, it benefits you because it kind of toughens your skin a little bit and it makes you a little bit more resilient. It prepares you for, you know, a lot of adverse sort of situations and you kind of become a little bit bulletproof. 
to things like rejection and, and, and stuff like that. But to your point, yeah, it, at the same time, like it wears down, you know, it just, mm-hmm. it, it, it can wear down on you. And I, I, I do, I've seen sort of some of the better players of the game just get chipped away after yeah. a while. And, you know, this, this is not new, you know, people know it, but I do think that in sort of a generation where we are focusing on mental health and we are focusing on the realities of how some of that might wear down on you and really sort of affect your life in a negative way. You know, I do think New York is is probably one of the better sort of Petri dishes for the conversation, right? Be- because it is so intense, because it is such a sort of cutthroat environment. Um, so, you know... But in, in the US, you have also a, like a... It feels like, or from afar, maybe because I just watched too much telly, but um, that there's a healthier relationship with therapy. Like it's a, it's not a, um, it's not a taboo subject. Is that? It's not a taboo subject, but it's also not a subject. It's, it's almost fashionable. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, therapy is, is more, is probably, you know, kind of the, the thing everyone needs to have because the city is such a tough place. And I think that people people are definitely much more comfortable saying like, oh, I'm in therapy or, oh, I spoke to my therapist. But that's a very different conversation than I'm I'm having mental health issues. It's it's almost it's almost kind of a kind of a Hollywood thing, a sex in the city or a Woody Allen or. Yeah, it's um, yeah. So that's that's really interesting because, you know, obviously, like over here in Australia, like we will encourage people to go to a therapist. But I think this it feels like a massive step. For someone sometimes um and and also you know because of all those kind of stereotypes as well it's funny like when you walk in the room it's like hold on where's my big couch don't i get to like lie down and, and you know that doesn't that doesn't exist um and of course but yeah it's really interesting like it, it feels as if almost there is and in our industry but also of course like perhaps in in new york where there's a you've got to kind of keep up the appearance. So, you know, like you were saying there, it made me think that, you know, yes, of course, you've got to have a bit of vulnerability because that's the appearance you've got to show. You've got to have a little bit of vulnerability. You've got to have a bit of tough, suck it up. You've got to, right. um, and so if anything, it kind of adds to the the pressure of being able to then talk about mental health. Do you, you see a therapist? I don't currently. Yeah. I don't currently. And not because I don't need to, just... I'm at a time in my life right now where I'm just timing and family and work. And I just not currently seeing, but I'm also, it's interesting because I'm also um, dealing with a lot of sort of my own challenges through, I started running a few years ago and I became just an insane runner. Uh, I was, I started running marathons and, you know, I just really dove head head first into that and, and, and health and food and, and, and that type of stuff. So, you know, I, I've been really focusing on like my physical kind of well-being, you know, as a means to really just sort of strengthen myself and, and, and remain strong. And, you know, I, I have um, an amazing wife who, you know, we're both very open about, you know, mental health and, and the challenges. So I feel like I have a really good partner that I can talk to and, and, and someone who understands kind of where I'm coming from and has seen the whole trajectory, like the journey that I've been on and, and, and can really empathize and, and understand sort of the things I've uh, kind of invented for myself in order to get through a lot of yeah. the 
a lot of the difficult uh, the difficult times. Yeah. And did you did you consult with her before writing the LinkedIn post? I did not. <laughs> She's a writer and a poet, and um, you know I'm in the creative field as well. Obviously, we tend to not consult one another when we do things like that. It's 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 kind of a little game we play with one another. I often write articles or mentions and stuff in the press and she's like oh i i why didn't you tell me about this i saw and it's just kind of one of those things we it's just a little game we play but um but it was also it was also something that i had thought about for a while and i and i kind of didn't want anyone to change my mind you know i was really resolute about and you know i'd been working uh, i have a client project healthy minds phm and i've mm-hmm. been working with them for a while as well and you know it it was just something I, I just kind of wanted to do on my own. I didn't, I didn't really want to involve anyone else. Yeah. But that, I mean, and that's also a sign of healthiness, isn't it? Like being able to feel that you can do that stuff on your own and have the confidence to do it and, and know what the, you know, how to deal with the reactions. You'd mentioned medication yeah. in your yeah. post. What's your sort of relationship and experience with medication been like? Yeah. I mean, I would say mostly negative. I had been diagnosed with ADHD in my late, in my probably like my early to mid twenties, like properly diagnosed and had been put on a whole cocktail of stuff. I mean, it wasn't good. It was just kind of like, you know, there was like a Lexapro and a Wellbutrin and a, and a Xanax. And it was just like, I don't, I don't know why I needed all of that. And I had relied on it for many years. It 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 was uh, something that you know caused me to gain weight. It caused me to feel sluggish. It caused me to um, really just kind of made my moods negative. I really yeah. didn't have the strength to to work out and things like that. And it impacted me in such a negative way. And you know, I think when I decided to just go cold turkey and and and, and get off of all medication. I needed something to replace it with. I needed, and, and that's when I started running and I stopped right, drinking yeah. coffee and I started, and I just sort of transformed my life at that point. And, you know, I think some of the, some of the side effects from the medication were just not worth what I thought it was helping me do from a, a mental wellness standpoint. And, um, you know, I haven't had anything in my system for about, I'd say maybe close to six, seven years right now. And, um, and I, I've never felt better. I'm so thankful that I was able to wean myself off. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, it's a tough one. So I, I have medication. It's only one tablet a day, yeah. but it's, um, I do like experiments with myself yeah. to just try and go, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm just going to miss it. Let's just go. Yeah. Okay. And let's I used go to another do that. day. Another day. <laughs> Um, and it's funny that I don't think like the side effects are like that visible, but I do get like the, because I've been on it for such a long time, the kind of dizziness from coming off it, like any kind of drug. Um, or then if I'm, if I'm having to take something else for something else, I, I feel like maybe there's a, a reaction. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've always been, yeah, I'm a massive fan of, um, have you ever read Johan Hari's book? Not, um, no. Lost Connections. So he references a, um, a piece of research in that book about how on the, there's like a, I can't remember what it's, what the actual scale is called, but like it's a depression scale. Um, and, you know, medication has been proven to maybe move you one or two points to the right-hand side of that scale. But 
you know, consistently getting a good night's sleep for a couple of weeks moves you six points up. And it kind of talks to some of your points there around, you know, like looking after yourself and your body and like being able to, I think even like some of that physical health is doing things for yourself, right? Like that's not about anybody else. When you go for a run or, you know, you're, you're looking after yourself that way, it's things that you're doing for yourself, which sometimes is, you know, it's, it's hard when you work in the industry. It's hard when you've got, you know, a large family as well. But being able to feel that you've got that space to yourself is is key. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I kind of went at it almost the same way I would go after a brief. You know, I kind of like, I kind of, you know, I kind of went at it in a way where I was socializing that I was running and, 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 and all the things that I needed to do for myself. So, you know, it kind of became a known thing that, you know, if we would go travel on a pitch or a shoot or something like everyone knew the first thing I did was run. Everyone knew the first thing I was going to do is, and, and, and even now, you know, whenever I, um, I'm, I'm talking to a colleague or I'm traveling, like people will ask like, Oh, did you get your run in? You know, Oh, did you get your matcha? You know, it's like, it's become, it's become sort of my brand. And I needed that because, because I needed to sort of kind of create an atmosphere of accountability you know, towards, towards that. I'm so happy that I did. And, and, and when someone says like, Hey, did you have your matcha today? Or, Hey, did you get a run in today before a Monday morning meeting? Like that means so much to me because not only am I doing something for myself and for my own health, but other people care that I'm doing that as well. And I know sometimes it kind of can come off as a joke, like, Oh, where's Craig and his green juice. There's something quite reassuring and reaffirming that behavior and that good behavior is recognized and kind of part of who I am and part of my relationship with other people. So, you know, I think that really helped, you know, you, you mentioned the industry, like when you work in such a demanding industry at speed, the way we do, you kind of need to build in those, those fail safes, right? You, you kind of need to build in the behaviors um, around you know, some of those insane kind of like work schedules. Um, and I feel like I've, I've done a really good job doing that. I'm really proud of the way I've um, managed to lead both a hectic and a calm, you know, work-life balance at the same time. You know, it's it just kind of working out, you know. And I mean, yeah, because I, I listened to, um, so your interview with David Sable and you talked about creating at speed. You, you kind of talked about the concept of being inside the matrix and, you know, always having to be kind of aware and pick up on things and, you know, always be on, which yeah. I think in some ways that's the kind of stuff that also like it draws people into the industry. But at the same time, it's also a feeling of kind of bombardment and, you know, like you can never turn off and there's always another brief and there's always yeah. something to be thinking about. Um, yeah. how have you managed that over the years? I think that for many years it consumed me. I was always the guy that was kind of like, you know, the uber creative future focused, always had the big idea and was always five to 10 years ahead and kind of technology wise and innovation wise and all that good stuff. And, you know, I think part of dealing with ADD you hyper-focus on things and you get completely consumed. And for a long time, it, 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 I wasn't present. You know, I was always in 
another brief. I was always solving another problem. I was always, you know, sort of distracted by something. And like you said, there, there's no shortage. It just doesn't stop. It just keeps yeah. coming and coming and coming. So, you know, somebody that has sort of that mental makeup, it's not great. It's really not great. And I struggled for many years in my personal life, you know, where my family was always sort of like, oh, well, he's checked out. You know, he's working. He's working. Always working. And then, you know, it got to the point where I, it, it, you know, I had just had to stop. I just had to just put the brakes on and just say to myself, look, this is not sustainable. <laughs> like, you know, on one hand, yeah, I know a shit ton of stuff. And like, I've just learned every single client's business inside and out and I win awards and all that good stuff. But at, at the same time, like, I'm not here. I'm, I'm just not on this planet. I kind of rejiggered sort of the way the way I go about it and really and and that's what I was sort of referring to as kind of turn it into a superpower you know where I understood that I had the ability to hyper focus and really kind of turn my brain unleash it on on certain things but what I hadn't learned was how to how to get it back you know and how to how to restrain it and how to hold it from just going off at any given moment you know so that's where I think once I got a bit older and I kind of moved up the ranks a little bit, I, I just felt more of a responsibility to be there for others. And it was less about me, you know, the professional. It was more about how am I enabling my teams and the people around me and, and being a team player and all that good stuff. So in order to do that, I had to be more present. I had to be more aware of what was going on ar around me. And so I, I, I shifted gears. You know, I, I kind of had a, a little awakening and I and I and I started to learn learn how to shift those gears and 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 just kind of you know stop at a certain point and it's hard I struggle with it even now put a brief in front of me and I my I go nuts I'm just like oh my god I I, I want to go like head first right you know yeah. let's go I've learned to just slow down and and kind of put the brakes on a bit just because I know in the end it's it's going to benefit me you know yeah yeah I mean it can't be an extreme sport we don't have any lucrative you know, book deals or pundit or commentary stuff at the end of this, you know. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. But does it, so, I mean, so much has changed and you, you know that so much has changed from a kind of technology, a cultural yeah. perspective, you know, at times it feels like the kind of constant on of our industry hasn't really adapted to that. Like there hasn't been much change in our way of working, perhaps a little bit more in the last year or so because of pandemic, but have you ever kind of looked around and gone like, does it have to be this way? Can we be smarter about the way that we work to try and take some of these pressures off? All the time, <laughs> all the time. And, you know, I think at this point in my career, it's kind of what I'm obsessed with. Always going to continue to grow and learn and train myself and get better and, you know, just be better. But I think for me, I find myself having more and more conversations with people about working smarter focusing on themselves, you know, putting themselves first and making sure that they're feeling well and and feeling right and 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 just approaching things I think with more of a positive attitude, more of a, you know, I think I think this industry has just, you know, it's kind of gotten rotten from the inside. There's a lot of mistrust and people, you know, walk into rooms and assume ill intent and and all of those things, you know, and it just, it's just horrible. It's horrible. And what I'm hopeful about is seeing kind of a new generation of young creatives and, and, and young agency folks that just 
won't tolerate that. They won't tolerate assholes, right? They won't tolerate dickheads. They won't tolerate, you know, that kind of behavior. And that gives me a lot of hope. And it gives me, um, it kind of renews my my own passion for the industry. And, and it makes me want to guide those young people. It makes me want to share my experience with them. It makes me want to give them everything I've learned and, and really be there as a guide and, and someone who can support and someone who can help them grow their careers. Because I do think that, you know, we, we grew up in a very toxic industry. We grew up in an industry that was just unapologetic. It did not care much for who we were as people. It just cared for the amount of, of brain power it was able to extract from us. And I do believe that this is, this is a people business. We're in the people business, right? Our clients, they buy us, right? They're buying who we are. And, you know, our, our agencies, you know, need to nurture that. And we need to be nurtured as people because we are the, we, we, we're the product, you know, we're generating the ideas, we're generating, you know, we're executing, we're thinking, we're working together, we're producing. If your machine is broken, you know, <laughs> gotta, you know, you're not, you're not gonna be in a good shape, right? So, so yeah, I mean, for me, I think that the pace of technology, the pace of innovation, the speed of the industry, I don't think that's going to change. I, I, I think that that's what we do and that's what we've always done. We thought on our feet and we solve problems in real time. However, you can have fun with it and do it in a really healthy way. You don't have to do it in a way that completely sort of drains you of your soul. And and that's where I, I think, you know, we can do a better job in finding ways to work better together. Mm. That's it, you know, and, and making sure that the person to the left of us and the person to the right of us is not suffering or being burnt out or forced to put themselves through a situation that just is inhumane. Yeah, because I mean, there's a lot of loyalty in our industry, right? Like there's a lot of loyalty to each other. Yeah. And then there's a lot of loyalty to the I mean, there might not be as much to particular organizations, but there is a lot of loyalty to, to clients and a lot of loyalty to, you know, a, achieving something. And I know like I, so many people will stay back at work because they see everybody else working hard right. and they don't want to feel like they're letting the team down or right. people won't take days off sick because someone else will have to do their work. Um, and so it, a lot of this is born out of good intent, but that's why it's kind of almost even more important that, you know, leaders in particular are able, like you said, to look to the left, look to the right and be able to kind of keep an eye out for, for people. And I, I think that's something that, you know, it, again, it's probably one of those things that just isn't taught either in our industry. Not, you know, like once you get into hard. leadership position, you're not taught that oh, everything just got flipped and reversed. Now it's your job to look after everybody else. It's not right. about you um, anymore. Um, That's right. That's right. A hundred percent. You're spot on. It, it's not taught. And and I do, I do think that um, that needs to be incentivized. I think that needs to be encouraged. You know, I do. And you're right. I think we, we lead by example you know, staying up till 5am working on a pitch is not going to win you the pitch. You know, I don't care how hard you work, right? Like coming in fresh and feeling good about yourself and walking into the room and commanding the room and smiling and feeling confident, that's going to win you the pitch. Mm -hmm. You know, right at the end of the day, we're all talented. We, we're all good at what we do, right? Like we all work for the 
best agencies in the world, right? We wouldn't be here if we if we sucked, right? So clearly something got us here, you know. So I think that we have to have a little bit more faith in the fact that it's this muscle here, it's this brain here that we need to take care of and the thing that we need to nurture and and not just our own, but others as well, right? Like if you and I work in the same creative department, there's no reason why I should make you feel intimidated or scared or nervous or like in any of those feelings should not exist in a creative environment where everyone is meant to feel like they can bring their true selves to the office. And that's what ultimately makes great work, right? When you can truly be yourself and you can pour yourself into the work and you can smile and have a good time. Like I've seen it time and time again, great work never comes out of a toxic situation. I don't care. Like I, like one way or another, that work is going to fail. And whenever I've been in a situation where positivity and, and, and camaraderie and comfort and security were all present, even if you get rejected, even if you lose the pitch, even if it bombs, doesn't matter. You had a great time doing it. You did it together. You put it out there. You took the risk. You all did it together. And there's nothing like it. When you do that, when you have that sort of energy, there's nothing else like it. That's what keeps us in this industry. It's thrilling. It's almost addictive, right? And it's the journey rather than the result, right? Totally. Like that's, the, totally. that's where the meaning and the purpose and all of that stuff comes from. Yeah, um, totally. But when we judge ourselves by results, we have very little control over what the result is. Um, it just made my own segue into uh, the like the competitive nature of our industry and awards. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so you know, I, I heard you talk about awards and like the, all the great things about them. Like you, you know, how they help people kind of thrive, inspire one another. But on the other side of that, is there a kind of like because it's such external validation? that it can also lead to kind of debilitating imposter syndrome and, you know, just this feeling that you're never good enough and you will never be good enough. What, what's your view on awards from a kind of a more holistic, mentally healthy perspective? Yeah. Look, I think, I, think, I think the award system is great in the sense that it's kind of gamifies our process, right? It, it gives us something to sort of strive for. It, it sets a bar. Right. You know, when when I go to Cannes, I, I feel like I'm part of an elite community of people. I feel like I've earned my way to a community of, of people who who love creativity, who who are passionate about creativity and who are competitive about creativity. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But to your point, it makes or breaks a career. Right. Like if I was to win a Grand Prix tomorrow you know, we all know the implications of that, right? We all know the value that that brings to your career and to you as a person and to your agency, right? I think that we've gotten better. I definitely think we've gotten better as an industry to sort of kind of put awards a bit into perspective. However, I think, I, I, think, I still think we have a long way to go. I think that you put a lot of pressure on yourself. As an ECD, obviously, you know, part of my KPIs is, you know, Am I, am I moving the mark? Am I changing, you know, am I getting, you know, am I winning? And I don't mind having that pressure. What I do mind is the negative sort of feeling that it might create within the community 
where it's less about the work and it's more about kind of just the the competitive sort of aspect of whose agency is better, who's a better creative. You know, like, I, I don't need a list to tell me that I'm a top creative. I don't need that, right? And But I do know every time those lists come out, we all feel a little, little, a little, you know, and, 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 and it wears you down, you know, like you, you mentioned imposter syndrome, you know, insecurity, you know, like what we do is we take an abstract idea and we put it in front of very smart people and the implications are wide reaching and you get rejected more than you get accepted, right? Like you, you hear a thousand no's before you hear a yes. And, you know, all of that together, I think, can really wear a person down. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, you know, I kind of tasted success quite early, you know, and, and we were winning a lot of awards. And I kind of like thought like, oh, this is how it is. Like you, you work and you win award, you know, and then you hit a lull or you have a bad year or you just, you know, and you, you start to question like, am I relevant? Will, will I get fired? Will, will someone take my, you know, like those feelings should not be predicated on awards. Mm-hmm. I can look back at years where I was highly successful. I've won tons of pitches and put out lots of great work and, and my teams were happy, right? Like that's all you can ask for. But I didn't win a lion, right? And, you know, you kind of hang your head and you're just like, oh, was it a good year? What, you know, so I do think that many, many people fall into the trap of, allowing awards to be the sort of the gauge of whether you had a good year or not. And I think that's very unhealthy. I think a lot of it is luck, right? Did you get that good brief? Did you get that good, did the client wake up on the right side of the bed that day? You know, did you happen to stumble upon the right idea? A lot of it is luck. And I think we, I think we need to be more open and and real with that. I think the maturation of the industry along with mental health, along with the implications, I think I think it'll start to correct some of the the ickiness that might come with the award system. But yeah. I, I, I do think it's it's important, but I think like anything else, it needs to be put into perspective and it needs to be approached in a healthy way. Yeah, you mentioned um, KPIs. Yeah. From that perspective and that, you know, yes, awards could be a KPI um, or are a KPI. And I've, I've actually given a few presentations recently around trying to take a look at KPIs in, in creative businesses and going like, have we got the right ones? Um, you know, it's all about, it, it's funny, like you said earlier, it, this is all about people, right? But actually there aren't many KPIs in businesses that are focused on people. There are plenty of KPIs focused on extracting the most amount of time and value out of people, um, but not about keeping people, you know, thriving and to the best of, you know, of, of health. And it's like, if we were a sport, there'd be a team of people around our people, right? They'd be looking after them. They'd be making sure they've got what they need, that they can negotiate and travel over the kind of the things that they need to get across um, in order to do their job well for a while, it will be a quite a foreign um, concept to most creative businesses that actually, if we were to look at a happiness score across our teams, or if we were to look at, you know, how much energy do you feel you have on a daily basis, or how many workplace conflicts are there? 
you know that maybe that there is some yeah some a certain amount of conflict is good but actually if there's more kind of spikes when it comes to workplace conflicts you know how many days have people taken off because of stress and burnout you know i love this idea of like why wouldn't our industry have a you know like when you go to a if you ever done a job for a client and you go visit the factory and it's got up on the wall it's got number of days without incident Mm, um, why great. wouldn't we have that for our industry you know like this kind of thing what, what's your thoughts on how we measure success in the future and how we measure like giving people the right kpis to make sure that their people can thrive i'll kind of geek out a little bit i think similar to kind of the the sort of the trajectory of where you know sort of like the fourth industrial revolution where everything is you know kind of like technology and everything sort of headed towards like more empathic human centered and, and and that type of stuff same here i i think i think we need to employ that same kind of empathy and human centricity to the kpis that we're putting on our people burnout and happiness and, and like all of those things I, I think we really need to rethink to your factory example how we're kind of looking at our teams and our people and their emotions in a way that is uh, much more human human centered and we see that you know we we talk about it a lot we see it happening you know in in different industries we you know we're starting to see you know the sort of the backlash of the algorithm you know and social media and and whatnot and you know you're having futurists really talking about uh you know people in power being more ethical or having more ethical training and and being you know, sort of experts in ethics rather than, you know, business, you know, in, in this day and age, you almost have to be both. So I do think that, you know, going forward and part of my hope that I mentioned before of the younger generation is that you have a new generation of leaders that value those things and that are unapologetic about it and that will refuse to work in a volatile environment and that will start to employ some of those KPIs, some of those new KPIs, because it's part of their makeup. It's part of who they are, you know. And I think that I sometimes work with with some some younger folks, and I I almost fantasize about like them being my boss one day. You know, it's yeah. sort of like, oh wow, you know, like this kid is so in tune with their way of thinking, and they're healthy. And you know, like kids today, they're not going out drinking all night. They're yeah. not taking red eyes. They're really thinking about themselves mm-hmm. and really thinking about, you know, their mental sort of wellness and their and their holistic wellness first. And that makes me so happy. Like it brings a smile to my face when I see it. I'm hopeful that those are the people that are going to be helping us change things and for the better. Yeah. You talked about culturally relevant, like, you know, they, that that's part of our job, but also I wonder, is there an opportunity right now to almost kind of take advantage of the fact that mental health is a more culturally relevant and that whilst every brief might not be about mental health, there are actually ways for us, given we, you know, creatives control so many of the messages that go out into the world to do that in a way that puts mental health in a, in a positive light. I mean, it's the same way of like, I work quite close to someone on our on our board who has, and I love when she said um, we were doing work on diversity and inclusion, and she said how we have a real opportunity to change the makeup of who appears in ads and who appears in brands and communications. And we also have that opportunity for like how we portray things so that they're in a positive, mentally healthy manner. I remember there was a 
there's a body over here in Australia that helps creatives communicate in the right way so that they're not kind of triggering things in ads. And there was, um, they keep, I remember them bringing up this ad, which was, uh, I can't remember which make of car it was, but there was a, a new make of car replacing the old make of car. And they showed the old make of car on the top of a cliff, ready to kind of just drive off because the new make of car is here. And it's like, and they, they kind of use those numbers like, you know, that's not, that's, it's not good for people to see that. And so we do have the opportunity to kind of change the way we think about like almost the subliminal messages we can put in our communications. Um, do you, do you find that that's coming more into your work? A hundred percent. I think where we once thought it funny to be reckless or, you know, to make fun of things or to, you know, just kind of look past something like that, no longer the case. You know, I, I, I do think that especially having kind of lived through the sort of the onslaught of social media and how dangerous what we do can be if if not done right. We wield a very, very powerful sword, right? Like we're able to craft uh, communications and put it out into the world that affect millions and sometimes billions of people. And if we're not cognizant of the fact that those messages have a real effect on our audience's brains, then we are reckless. I mean, we are really being reckless in putting things out there that um, that could potentially, you know, God forbid, kill someone to that degree. I think I think we're we're talking about that. We're talking about you know a responsibility of you know putting out messaging and putting out things that that represent a healthy lifestyle that represent you know. Things like body positivity and, and racial positivity and equality and even little things like, like you said, like a cliff, right? We all know what that means, right? We all know where that's going. And I don't think that means the work it needs to be boring or puritanical or, you know, or uninteresting in any way, shape or form. I just think we have, with the prolification of all the channels and digital and technology, also comes a great responsibility, right? And that responsibility is that we can now reach greater people faster, further. And in doing so, we have to be careful with our ideas. We have to really be careful with our ideas. And and again, like if if we're not well, our ideas are not well, right? That too, right? So if, you know, you have a copywriter who's sitting there and, and he's he or she is completely unhealthy and 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 burnt out and and just you know it's going to come out of the work it's going to it's going to show itself up somewhere and and you know you don't always catch it and then all of a sudden you open up facebook or instagram or tv or whatever and you kind of see a morbid thing and you wonder like what the hell is that you know so um no absolutely they, I could tell you we have more conversations about that than anything else. I could, you know, once once you land an idea, I would say that the next sort of priority is let's let's examine this. Let's yeah. really make sure that this is not something that's going to cause damage um, or be destructive in any way. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think we could rewrite that ad now, right? Which is <laughs> totally the old car goes off to some retirement home in the sky where it is a beautiful place where they see all the other old cars and they reminisce and they have a new lease on life 
whereas the new car is now off and thriving. Right. There we go. Right. It is. It's ready to go. Well, uh, um, Craig, thanks so much for your time. Um, it's been a fantastic chat. I, I'm, I can tell you now, I know that um, already I've had some feedback on like this, this series and it, it does help people hear from people like you and to share your experiences and to know that we're all kind of in this together and that we are the person to the left or the right that does need a bit of help now and again. And so, um, yeah, I really appreciate you being able to give the time today and to uh, and have a great chat. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and, and thank you for doing what you're doing. I think I think this is important work and, you know, it's not easy. I know that, uh, you know, it takes time and it takes focus and I admire, I really admire what you're doing. And, you know, I think that um, I think it's great. Thank you for having me. A huge thank you to Craig for sharing his experiences, for his thoughts on the creative industry, for where we can focus to do better. It was a fantastic chat. I think really has made an a, just a brilliant impression on this mini series that we've been doing. Now, you may have heard some slightly different music up front and just now. And that comes from endel.io, E-N-D-E-L.io. Endel is an app 2020 app of the year, no less, that delivers personalized soundscapes to help you focus, relax, sleep, get clarity. Um, it's backed by some amazing neuroscience. It's got AI built into it. You can get it on your Apple Watch, on your iPhone, on your Pixel, whatever you use. But uh, I highly recommend it. I went for a walk the other day just to get some clear headspace. Was listening for 45 minutes and just the time flew by. So give it a go. It's great, you know, as well for helping you get to sleep. And we all know how sleep is so important for our mental health. Go to endel.io, E-N-D-E-L.io, or check the App Store, and you'll definitely find it there. Also, if you haven't already, please go to nevernotcreative.org slash empathy. That is where we are running a global study to better understand empathy, to understand how it is practiced or not practiced at the moment in our industry, and then to be able to help others get better at it. We're all still learning around what this means for our workplaces, for our culture, and for creativity. So please have your say, please share it with someone, put it on your LinkedIn profile saying, or a post saying that you've done it and you think it's a great idea for others to do it. And we'll be sharing the results. We'll be doing a lot of work around empathy in the coming months. Thanks, as always, to Streamtime. Go to streamtime.net. If you are a creative business and you'd like to try and run your business a little bit healthier, project management software with invoicing, scheduling, task lists, to-dos, no timesheets, but we track time. And, of course, go check out nevernotcreative.org for everything that's happening, everything from asking for a friend to internship minimum standards to mental health minimum standards. It's all happening on nevernotcreative.org. We'll be back very soon with another great episode in our creativity and football mini-series. See you soon.